This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios in South Central Alaska, USA. Live and local, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on KVNT, 1020 a.m. and 92.5 FM. Your best source for morning news, traffic, and weather. Streaming live online at TomAndersonShow.com. Phone lines are open. Dial 907-357-5868. That's 357-5868. Politics and news from a guy who's made it happen. Your morning drive just got a whole lot better. Good morning, America. Here's Tom Anderson. Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy, happy Friday. And we made it through the week. And I am just happy about that because it's getting colder. And I think that if we add up how many days we've had rain, and add up how many days we've had clouds. I think we had a record this summer. And I was looking outside this morning when I took the pets out. Uh, geez, just never ending. We're going to get snow soon enough. I wonder if it's going to be a massive snow dump year. I bet you the folks in the sanding and in the plowing and in the snow machine and quad the forerunner and the uh, coats and hats and shovels. Think of all the things that you need in the winter. Ice scrapers, all those are going to be sold in abundance in Alaska within a, probably right now, but soon. And for kiddos, remember when you were a kid and your parents got you moon boots or snow boots and gloves and hats? All that stuff has to be done. So the, the more snow we have, the more they're sold. And I think it's going to be a big snow year. Could be wrong. I thought it would be a super sunny summer, 2022. And I was wrong after about what? Early July. (laughs) That went away pretty quick. I was looking at, and we'll get to this. Uh, we, we can do it next segment. I just shot it over to, to Dylan, but, but, you know, like in other states, they have problems. Obviously here we just have rain. That's not a problem. It just is what it is. But I was reading and we can get to this in a bit, but in the Nevada area, in like, you know, like Lake Mead, how much it shrunk. Now they're finding all these bodies, you know, from mafia and stuff where someone, uh, you know, blows someone away brings them out to Lake Mead, tosses them in the, with some weights, tosses them in the lake, they sink. Well, now Lake Mead is drying up and it's shrunk so low, there's concern the Hoover Dam will soon be unable to actually generate hydropower. And so where's the Colorado River in all of this? I've and, got that clip ready for you. Yeah, you do you have, well, why don't we play some of it? Sure, it, it's a long one, but but it just it's something of concern while we talk about Alaska weather. What's happening in the lower forty-eight to affect daily life for most people who rely on the Colorado River. The river provides drinking water to about 40 million people. As a decades-old drought lowers water levels, water managers have been able to find solutions and workarounds so far. NPR's Kirk Sigler has been asking how much longer they can go on. It feels so cliche these days to throw around the word dystopian, but it's hard not to use it when you're standing here on the road across the Hoover Dam. Cars idling as tourists gawk at its huge, exposed columns that for decades were underwater. I just think it's amazing to see the, the level of water so low 
Arthur Mirzu is visiting from Belgium. Lake Mead, the nation's largest reservoir, is so low it's perilously close to what's called Deadpool. It's a level where the dam's hydropower turbines would shut off for the first time in its 86-year history. I think we need politics to take actions. We need people to react and and to be really aware of what's going on. But are enough people aware? Even in the worst drought in 1,200 years, travel south along Highway 93 into Arizona, and it can feel like business as usual. And people continue moving here faster than almost any other state. Even in the driest, most barren-looking places, homes and RVs pockmark the desert shrub. And ramshackle real estate signs advertise cheap land, 160 acres, right here. Towns with names like Dolan Springs or, when you get closer to Phoenix, Rio Verde foothills sound like false promises when it comes to water. Karen Nabity is one of a few activists here sounding the alarm. She's a realtor, but is dismayed that people are still being allowed to buy and build in Rio Verde. Credit loose zoning and loopholes in water laws. What hasn't happened is they don't have a disclosure to the owner of that property to say, honey, you're building this house, but do you know on January 1st, we don't have a water source for you right now, right? Some 500 homes here, Nabody's included, are losing all their water January 1st. That's because nearby Scottsdale, which gets most of its water from the Colorado, now says there's not enough to go around anymore. Remember Deadpool up in Lake Mead? Nabody worries it's coming faster than predicted. Colorado River won't be flowing. Water won't be flowing down the Cap Canals. That should be an ocean to this entire state. Guys, we are standing in the middle of the tracks. We're about to get hit by the train. For God's sakes, we need to do something, and we need to do it now. Nabody is trying to form a water district that could go out and buy farmland and its water rights to deliver to taps here next year. So far, no luck. She and her neighbors can pay water haulers for now to tap groundwater wells like this one off a dirt road at the very edge of the Phoenix sprawl. But there's not enough, and it's expensive. What is our state doing? People are still planting grass. People are still watering yards. We need to have our state step up more and start doing bigger cutbacks now. Because I'd hate to see cities that are saying, well, don't worry, residents, we can keep going because we've got groundwater and we've saved water in the ground. Let's use that up. Oh, boy. Well, how long is that you, know, you, you can crank that one down or turn it down. Boy, that's scary stuff. And, you know, I remember long ago I went to Arizona State for a year and, it, man, that was it was too hot. And I didn't enjoy it. I came back to Alaska, University of Alaska, Anchorage. But it, it was so dry back then. I and mean, that's a long time ago out of high school. And did you hear that? Scottsdale is like, hey, we're not going to share our water from the Colorado to, you know, outlying suburbs. And they're just screwed. And you heard that term Deadpool, which, of course, is a great Marvel comic character but also, and great movies, but also um, a real event. And Lake Mead is almost at that level. And the Hoover Dam is almost at that level, where soon it's going to be unable to actually generate hydropower. Forget the bodies and all the, all the things they're finding in Lake Mead. I mean, this is like a catastrophe if that happens and i don't know what the answer is we talk about homeless or lighting parks or how we make roads safer all that's construction based right right you fix road you add lighting 
you build a, a, an affordable housing or someplace where someone can seek shelter. How do you deal with no water? And of course, we have water on Earth. That's not the problem. It's water in those arid zones where it's just so dry and everything is evaporating that it's getting worse and worse and worse. You, you know, for those of you in Anchorage, you know that Campbell Lake is man-made. Don't you, big Campbell Lake over in South Anchorage? Maybe we need to start making more lakes, but, I mean, where do you get the water from? <laughs> you know, it's just a, it's a nightmare there. It's very scary. Very scary. 14 minutes after the hour, you hear the music. You're going to crank that up, and you're going to dance while you're driving. You're going to be smiling. You're going to say, I wonder how Gary's doing. Gary the Snail and Gary in Muldoon. <laughs> Stay with us, my friends. And you know, later we have the movie review with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In and much more. Stay with us. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Oh, you can dance if you want to. I love that, man. You know, I, there's a there's a couple YouTube. Welcome back, Tom Anderson Show. There's a couple YouTube. I should find one, Rick. There's a I could get it for. You guys in the studio there. And Rick, um, th- there's a guy who is just really, really fun. He goes over all sorts of, he's got like over 3 million followers. And he's like, I like this song or that song or this is the top or this or that. And he goes through all these different things. And here, here's one that let me, um, th- th- this is just a fun one. And, and I'm, I know people, some people like news, but we're going to have some entertainment here. And I know this is for, for Dylan, and Sarah, that they're going to, they might be like, okay, we've heard those songs, but, um, you know, we weren't around then, but it's I fun just to, said it's it. fun to get the trivia though. Well, I just said it. And this dude, you should follow him. If you haven't followed him, he's freaking brilliant, and he can play every instrument, and he says, listen to this. Listen how great this was when Toto did it. Listen to this new band. He covers stuff, and he's really cool, and he says, I've got a list. Now, I don't agree with him completely because, like, his number one of his of his favorite 80s hits, a couple of them, like, like Men Without Hats, you just played that. You can dance if you want to. Has anyone heard of any other song from them? No. But but Rick plays other songs, One Hit Wonders from the 80s, that it's like, no, that band actually had some other um, songs. But like, for instance, one of my favorite songs from the 80s is Our House in the Middle of Our Street, Our House by Madness. And that's one of the, I was hoping that he had that. But all of you listening, I know you're of this age range. If you're able to, I, I know this is, a, um, well, let's see how long it is. The problem is if it's super long, that's 13 minutes, damn. Well, I mean, why don't you play a few? If you can play that, I just sent you the link. If you're able to get that, um, can we do that? Can we play just... Give a me, little bit of it. Give me just a few songs. minutes to get it 
Yeah, no, it, we we can do it next segment. Okay, next segment. But because that when I send it to them, they have to get it imported in, and it's a pain in the butt. But but he talks about music, and he talks about the eighties, and and I know Dylan, you can even scroll up once we start playing it, and he can say, okay, we're going to do the top ten. You know, and and by the way, Men Without Hats, that song, You Can Dance, whatever it is entitled, is in there too, but he has it lower. You know, low would be in the in the teens, and the best would be one, two, three, four. And I don't think it should be. For One Hit Wonders, that song is amazing. Even Alaska Airlines has copied it. So anyway, we can get to that. Actually, At I think I, I have it pulled up right now. Do you, well, you know what? Do we have time? Well, why don't we play it a little, and you guys can you guys can can call in and tell me what you think a great '80s song is. But what we might do is, you know, we play a few. Listening to twenty and, and nineteen aren't as fun as listening to five, four, three, two, one. So maybe you scroll and fast forward once we get into it. But why don't you play this from from YouTube? Denise Williams. Yeah. Song number 16 sounds like it's from a modern video game. It has actually one of the coolest synth lines of any of the songs on the list. It's one of my favorites. Check it out. <laughs> Remember this song, everybody? <laughs> he plays each one about, you know, 20 seconds. You gotta move on. That's a one-hit wonder from the 80s. Yeah, I don't know that Lip Sync put out anything else that was like... Yeah, Funky Town. I'm heard that but i haven't heard anything else from them that that's where i agree it's a one hit but like i say some of the ones he picks his number one when you hear it you'll Coming say wait a minute 15, they did a james song, bond you'll definitely no you may not know the name of the band but the band is called kaja gugu check it out yeah i used to dance to this song I think the this is probably going to actually date me, but I think the only way that I know this song, I think it's in the movie Hot Rod with Andy. I think Samuel. you're right. I think you're right. That's the can only way put, that I know. This can you song? push it up to to like? I know it's hard because it doesn't delineate it on the on the screen and on the scroll, but move it a little bit forward because I want to hear his last like. Even if you got it to nine or eight. Let's go. We can go. Uh, let's go to number two. Yeah. Coming in at number two, many of you will say, why isn't this song number one? Well, you'll know why it's number one in a second, but here Why it it's not. Oh, Jackie and the Midnight Runner. Yeah. See, I don't think this is number two. I, yeah, this is number one for me. Really? This is number one? No, see, what I'm saying is I, I, I think it should be in the top 20, but... Yeah, it's a one-hit wonder from the '80s. I think it's it's, in my opinion, in my humble love opinion, this song. it is one of the best, like of the era of the yeah. '80s. I think it embodies the the music, like the culture of he music. He says in the, the 80s. same thing. On the list. This now listen to this. May not be just one hit. That oh, they this have. is honorable mention. Really, the only hit that I can think of, and it's one of my favorite songs of the '80s. Really, it's one of my favorite songs ever. I, th- I was thinking about doing a "What Makes a Song Great" on this song. Here it is. Yeah, this was a song from the '80s. Yeah, and this is from a movie. You know, a movie picked it up, used 
listed as a soundtrack for their movie. I forget the one. It was one of the teen movies. Pretty in Pink or one of those. We're talking about 80s songs that were one-hit wonders with bands that you probably never even heard of. But the number one, I don't agree with because they have other hits. Well, hang on. They have, uh, what is the number one, actually? Well, let him, I think you know he'll say band. it. This is with over a billion this is number plays one on Spotify. This is number one. I love them, man. See, there we go. Now, you can crank that down. Listen to this. That's a Norwegian band. And here are 10 fun facts about AHA. First of all, they wrote a song, especially for James Bond, The Living Daylights, which is a great song. And a lot of people don't realize that. MTV predicted their success. In fact, they, I think they won more MTV awards than anybody else back in the day with music television. And they were knighted. They were knighted by the, uh, they're like knights in the first class of the Royal Norwegian Order because of how well they did. They used to be called Spider Empire. Did you know Take On Me was released unsex, uh, unsuccess, <laughs> successfully th- sorry, three times before it caught on? I didn't know that either, how long it took them. And they have two entries in the Guinness Book of World Records. The first is the longest same-pitch note in a song that made the UK's official singles chart. It was set at 20.2 seconds performed by AHA frontman Morton Harkett in The Summer Moved On. And he just, he doesn't stop. That's pretty good without breathing. And then here's the other big one. As part of a rock in Rio, this is a huge Guinness record. The band also held the record for the highest paid concert audience in history. Their performance was watched by a crowd of 200,000 people in January 1991. And of course, th- th- this is 1991. So that is 30 years ago, and the ticket prices were exorbitant. So think of what they made. Let's just say the ticket prices were 60 bucks. Back then, that's a hell of a lot, times 200,000 people. So there are other cool things about them. They've had some records. that. Oh, here's another one. They've never broken up, and they've been together since, I want to say, late 70s. That's a long time, never broken up. So... And then, of course, they produced one of the most iconic animated movie videos ever. Do you remember that? I mean, that was a really take on me was so cool where the guy is live and then he gets drugged into the cartoon. And you might say, no, that's no big deal. That's basic. I mean, my son is an animator and has a degree in animation from the Atlanta Art Institute. And he said, yeah, for back then, that was amazing. Now it's fairly easy to do. But back then it wasn't easy to do. So you got to check out Rick Beato. I think his last name is pronounced Beato, but he 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 has over three million views or subscribers. I'd love to get him on. And he's just a music expert. And I know you might like have felt that was a fizzle because we, we can't play the whole, you know, 15 minute thing, however long it was. But but it's fun for me. And I know it's fun for all of you to to think back in the day or if you're young to just listen to good old country or good old 80s or 90s or early 2000s music because there's some really talented bands across the world not just in the u.s aha again is norwegian and uh, it was fun and a lot of us kind of escape with music 
I even, we were just talking on the break about how fun it is to have intros and outros with tunes, you know, and it's fun to pick them and, and that DJ D and S in the studio there in Anchorage. And then, and then I'm sitting here and we're kind of going back and forth. And then, you, you know, what's cool with music is it, it's connected to memories, sometimes bad. Like, yeah, we were hit by a truck when that song was playing, but most of the time good. And, you know, and then you can relax from it. So, and you guys are young. How old are you guys? Uh, I'm 28. Yeah. So you're you're young enough to. I mean, you 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 know you know current music well. I'm sure. And you said you're musically inclined in, in that world as a hobby. And then and then you sounds like you're educated on older music. You were uh, yeah. Well, I grew up on a lot of uh, on a lot of different kinds of music. So yeah. So you and you mentioned Dolly Parton and Merle Haggard on the break. So I mean, we got that's good music that I know that our listeners mm-hmm. like because they're typically over 40 or 50. We're gonna come right back. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday, Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Hey, we're back. Good morning, everybody. Tom Anderson Show, this hour brought to you by Pip Alaska. Pip Alaska, Pip Printing, they can help you with everything from your rack cards and brochures, and maybe you have a menu that you need to get updated. Some of that I know you can do on your personal computer, but if it's bigger, broader, in color, they can do raised lettering. They can do so many different things. And then signage, they're really good with signage. I was talking to a client yesterday about kind of an innovative way to get signage out and also do a a, a real geo-targeted mailer based on like, you know, fishing license holders or hunting license holders or someone over 70 years old. They can look crap like that up and then mail. And I've spoken about this before. Let's say... You dig into, and they, they have a affiliate list company, so that's where they're getting the data. Let's say they go to that subsidiary that looks up homes that are over a million dollars. I brought this up before. You could find out the address to that home, and you could do a mailer for like Mercedes and say, hey, are you looking for a new vehicle? Come to Mercedes. Now, the recipient may not know why they got it. I'll tell you why they got it, because they have a nice house. Nice, you know, well, they must have some money. So that's what I would do. There are innovative ways to use PIP if you're a business. So, and then they can geofence around a neighborhood or something and blast out those. So you might want to look into that. By the way, speaking of, um, speaking of like mailing to homes and what's going on, uh, the Bloomberg writes that both buyers and sellers are kind of trapped right now. Buyers are getting spooked in the in the home world by the highest mortgage rates since 2008. It's just under 6.5%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is high, which have risen alongside the Fed's benchmark interest rate. 
Now, with mortgage rates nearly doubling since the start of the year, just this year, home buyers would be forking over hundreds of dollars more in monthly payments. See, that's what that means. 6% or 5% or 4 doesn't seem like a big deal. No, because, you know, extrapolated out over 30 years, your ass is paying two, three, three hundred $350 a month more for years and years and years. So, I mean, it really does make a difference. That adds up. And then sellers... They're thinking twice about putting a, a for sale sign on. I mean, just a year ago, everybody was selling, making big money. Even Tom Steigerman, who's out this week, but he was like, yeah, I don't have a new home. But people were asking me about it. You know, kind of the term tire kicking a car. You want to look at a car, looking in the window, tire kicking it to see if it's good. Well, they were tire They were home wall kicking his house and saying, hey, we're interested. Many folks got locked into low mortgage rates when interest rates were near zero. That's when you do want to own a home. So there's little reason for them to sell it, right? If you sell it with almost a zero rate and you're, you know, you, you get to pay 400 less a month. If you sell it, I know you make money, but guess what? Then you go buy it when it's six, six point five, and you get screwed on that end. So you just have to be careful. You just have to be uh, thoughtful on that. You really do. Because if you sell right now, you're going to, and you need to buy someplace when you do so, you're going to be killing yourself and you don't want that. I saw another story. Here's an interesting one. With his 60th dinger of the season, home run. Tuesday night, Yankee slugger Aaron Judge is on pace to break the long-standing American League home run record in the next few games. And if you happen to catch one of the home runs, you might even be able to afford to buy a house that I'm talking about. I'm not kidding. Given Judge's lack of performance-enhancing drug controversy and his popularity among fans, Morning Brew reports that experts are estimating his 61st home run ball could fetch between a quarter of a million and two million dollars at auction his 62nd his 62nd could fetch up to five million for that reason yankees ticket prices have bloomed on stubhub to just under one thousand dollars for a ticket with some eclipsing $4,000 on the secondary market. If any of you are baseball fans, you know what I'm talking about. With all that money on the line, the Major League Baseball isn't taking any chances on forgery. For the rest of the season, every ball that's pitched to Aaron Judge is going to include a covert marking. They can only be seen with certain technology, although the league isn't being much more specific than that because um, they want to obviously ensure its legitimacy and authentication process. By the way, this dude is six seven. He's as tall as Mike Dunleavy, our governor, and he's averaging one home run every two games, a little bit over two games. He has 13 games left and needs just two more. If you wondered why this is a big deal, you're like, why the hell is someone paying that much? He's two home runs away from breaking Roger Maris's 1961 record. 
and I know it gets confusing, 1961, 61 home runs. If he gets to, you understand the difference between tying and breaking. If he's two away from breaking, what does one more mean? He ties. So if the 61st home run fetches up to two million bucks, that means that's the tying home run in a season in the American League with Roger Maris. Big deal. And that's why the next one, the 62nd, so he has two more, 61st, 62nd. If he gets a home run every two, two and a half games and there's 13 left, he's going to have five more home runs. Oh, man. Could you imagine the punching and the fighting to get that ball? Oh, I would, you know, don't bring your toddlers and your babies where those balls are in the outfield where they're hitting. But isn't that fascinating? It just is to me. I have a uh, Willie Mays baseball and my dad has a few baseballs from back in the day. He, I, I can't remember if he has a Mickey Mantle one. Uh, he might have. I have to, I have to look. He has a few. In, in a box and it's interesting what we do a lot of us we quit we quit caring about it joe dimaggio i think dad has one from him i was reading about the most expensive baseball um you know sign balls and and what's what's the most uh when it comes to and i don't think dimaggio gets the most i should look this up here i'm looking it up right now 10 of the most expensive and invaluable baseballs. Okay. Uh, Honus Wagner single signed Christmas Eve ball sold for t- over almost 13 million. The ball was signed in 1931. Baseball player Honus Wagner was known as the Flying Dutchman. Number of signatures one. Jeez. He played 21 impressive seasons. The icon was known as the Flying Dutchman during his career before retiring in 1917. Of course, 1942 to 45, Babe Ruth single signed AOL Heritage Baseball. That got 15,000. Boy, the other one at 12 million. What a difference. William Heritage single signed baseball. Uh, down the line. Cy Young single signed baseball. Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig autographed baseball. 23 million. Holy moly, 1939 Baseball Hall of Fame with a bunch of signatures. What did that one get? 50,000. Joe DiMaggio, Monroe Ball. Oh, Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio. Wow. By the way, she died at 36. There's only two signatures on that one, 191,000 bucks. The best known Babe Ruth Baseball, just under 400,000. That's a beautiful signature. I'm looking at it. And then the baseball signed by 11 Hall of Famers sold for 600,000 bucks. Oh, my gosh. Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb. Jeez, could you imagine? And then the the number one, they say just for collector, it's not the most expensive, $700,000. Babe Ruth hit a home run with his baseball, the Babe Ruth home run bowl. And it's there's a term called provenance. Provenance. Not provenance, it's pronounced provenance, and that is the line of custody, the chain of custody, not like in a crime, because that happens too. Where's the gun? We have to document the chain of custody uh, when we go to trial, when we go to court. Um, But for artifacts, there's also such a thing. The provenance is, okay, where did you get that map? Where did you get that, that carving? Who carved it? 
Who's owned it? Where has it been? And they do provenance for baseballs, too, of course. 44 minutes after the hour. Interesting stuff. One segment, one hour ahead. Hope you're doing well. Happy Friday. Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Oh, everybody's talking at me. I can't hear a word they're saying. I love that song, man. That's a great song. Welcome back, Tom Anderson Show. Anything on your mind? 48 minutes after the hour. Happy Friday, TGIF. Phone lines are open, 907, of course, if you're in Alaska. Or out of Alaska. Now you have to use that. I don't know why they did that, but it's a pain. But 907-357, like the gun, 357-5868. 357-5868. Would love to hear from you. Maybe someone's gone to a baseball game. Maybe Now, Dylan, we were talking on the break about, about baseball and about you playing in high school have you ever gone to a baseball game and what are your thoughts on professional sports? And I'll answer before you answer super quick to say it's super fun other than the crowd gets a little rowdy, but it's super fun to go to an NBA game. That would maybe be my first professional football. Maybe is my first and NBA second, then baseball, then hockey. It kind of goes down from there. Have you been to any pros? pro games and what's your fave oh i've been to a lot of there's been a, a few uh major sports events that i've been to um gone to let's see i've gone to a, a tampa bay rays game when i was just graduating high school nice. um i actually got to meet the atlanta braves i think back in 2000 2008 maybe um, my old, long story short, my older brother was diagnosed with cancer when he was a kid, and it, uh, his dream, his make-a-wish dream, was to to meet Chipper Jones, who is, in my opinion, one of the one of the best. Um, and that argument that you can't argue, I just you just can't argue with sure with Chipper Jones. But uh, no, my my favorite, I've uh, I've been to a Dallas Stars game. I really really love hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a, a a Christmas present from same older brother. And uh, genuinely, just it loved the experience. We sat way, way up in the stadium or in the in the uh, in the arena, and just and just had the time of our life. It was so much fun. Um, but yeah, yeah I don't, I don't, I don't know that I agree with you on the NBA thing. I, basketball just doesn't interest me. Um, it's too much back and forth. There's just it's too much to pay attention to. And so I like like baseball games. I can kind of check out for a minute and then come back and be like, oh well, you know. Cool. Nothing's changed. Nothing's yeah, changed see, in the that, hour that, and that is gone. why. Well, that is why I'm not quite into uh, baseball. It may even be my fourth of the four, and I like it. But it just, man, it goes on three hours. It's just a long time. Basketball's quicker and more fast paced, and it's you know the, m- most basketball games are sold out now. Granted, they're smaller facilities, but. 
now it's a uh, for for me and foot NFL football it, it doesn't get much better than that especially when it's a good game and I have been to like my favorite teams Minnesota Vikings as people know that listen to the show and everybody has their fave more power to you unless it's the Raiders which I hate but sorry but but I I watched like Minnesota beat Dallas on a Thanksgiving Day game in Dallas and oh that was fun there's just that's you know it's just so much fun mm. I love it. So we got some calls coming in. We're going to go to Gary first, then we'll go to Bill. My guess is Bill Stoltz, Mr. Baseball, and who's who's uh, helps managing and and I think owner, but p- p- partly um, administrative with the Chinooks in Chugach Eagle River. But let's go to Gary in East Anchorage first. Gary, good morning. What's on your mind? Well, good rainy morning. Happy happy Friday. Anyway, the thing is, Bill Stoltz is one of my favorites. I just want him to know that right off the bat. He's a great gentleman. But anyway, the sports, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. But the thing is, don't you think they're getting paid too much money? I think they're getting paid too much money, but I also think the fans don't give a damn about that. They pay, pay, pay. They buy food. They go. They wait in line. It's kind of like an actor. You hear 10, 15, 20 million, and we all go to the movie theaters. Not you and me, but most people want an autograph. They watch them on streaming. They buy their video. They learn about them on YouTube. So, you know, the public exacerbates it, just like with voting. When you say, why is Biden the president? Because people voted for him. It wasn't just out of the blue. People Unfortunately, like it. So, yep. You know, what a Debbie Downer that is. Well, but I mean, anyway. I agree with you. They get paid way too much. It's ridiculous, actually. Yeah, well, like, and you know, just... well, here's the bigger question, Gary. Why are did, did you hear that in college sports now they're allowed to give gifts to recruit yes. high school students? Yeah, That's they're going to ruin that too. Yep, it is. I like college, but I real quick, Kansas City Chiefs are my favorite. I love Mahomes. Okay. Even team. when he's behind, he'll get over there and he'll, he won't even have a scowl really. He, he just got that little smirky like, okay, I'll be back out in a few minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And your Minnesota Vikings, my buddy, Dwayne, he, he just uh, pretty much, is, he loves them, but he's given up on them. Yeah, I just know. Just last week I said, hey. They're doing good. I think they're going to have a good season. They're one and, and one, just, or one and zero, oh, and then they lose to Philly. They get their butts handed to them. I know. Yeah, they did. And and what was the other one? Hockey for me always has been Chicago Blackhawks, and they're kind of having problems lately. That's my favorite hockey team, and of course was the Aces. But yep. anyway, hi to Bill Stotes. Uh, yep. I wish you the best health, Bill. He's probably one of my favorites. No, for sure. Hey, have he a good one, you guys. Hello, Lolani. Yeah, she says hi yeah. back, and hey, enjoy your weekend, man. Hope you're feeling yep. better. We have a whole nother hour ahead, so you can stay with us, G, not on, on the radio, but uh, listening. So thank you, Gary. Enjoy your weekend. We're going to go to Bill now. I'm assuming it's Bill Stoltz. Good morning. How are you? It is. You kind of uh, brought me out of my slumber when you talk about baseball. Yeah, I know. I figured you were. But but did you hear what I was talking with Dylan, who's filling in for Tom Steigerman here this morning, and his wife, Sarah? The, uh, I mean, I, the, of all the games to go to, I know you're going to punch me through the phone, but I'm talking professional. I mean, to see to see the Lakers or to see the, you know, the Pistons or to see you name it, name your favorite NBA team or to see the Vikings or the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the, the, yes, baseball's fun, but it doesn't have the same energy as the aforementioned two sports at a professional level. It just doesn't to me. 
Yeah, I went to I went to an NBA game and I was all excited. And uh, D- Detroit was playing Seattle back when they had the team, and uh, real excitement. They had uh, the whole Detroit team there, except for Isaiah, except for Lambeer, and except for Rodman. So <laughs> when the three, you know, that, that but I mean, like imagine back that. when Jordan played for the Bulls and Rodman was there and Pippen, and I mean, oh my God, or the Lakers back in the day with you, you know, you know. Uh, 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 what's his name? Um, uh, well, James Dream Worthy and Magic Johnson, you know. So, yeah. hey, I want to tell you. I don't know if you mentioned this, but Aaron Judge uh, patrolled right field for the Anchorage uh, Glacier Pilots back in 2011. I forgot about that. No, I didn't. And uh, and he played a game in Chugiak. That's before the Chinooks came. But athletes in action. I sponsored a scrimmage game to try to promote get the Chinooks uh, then athletes in action to come up and play. And so I have got a ball signed by the whole Glacier Pilots team. So I assume Aaron Judge has got his name on there. So I'm going to have to dig that out. And after he breaks the record, uh, that'd be a good thing to donate to uh, one of the youth leagues or something. Like, so That's they can huge, it man. 61 and 62. 61 ties Maris, which was in 1961, the article said. Roger Maris, and then 62 gets into that 5 million mark for the bowl, and that breaks it for American League one year home run. It's just, it's cool stuff. I love the record breaking, but that guy is good. And like they said, no enhancement drugs or any of that scandal. He's just class, doing it class all guy natural. Was up here. I don't, I think he was only 6'6 six, six when he was up here. He was still growing. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, boy. Well, Bill, thanks for the call. Enjoy your weekend, man. Good memories. Watch your local games next summer. You never know if you're going to be watching a future Hall of Famer or record breaker. It's the truth. You know, just a a great charismatic Well, and before you go, name a couple others. Aren't there some other famous? I mean, back speaking uh, of scandal. A whole lot of them. We have uh, several Hall of Famers. Uh, Tom Seaver, uh, coached by Red Boucher. Dave Winfield came up as a pitcher and. uh, watched him get a monstrous grand slam at the at uh, Mulcahy. Uh, oh, you know, a whole list of them. Uh, Mark McGuire. I was going to say Johnson. Mark McGuire. Yep. Isn't Randy, Randy Johnson, Johnson on that list too? Randy He's, Johnson, uh, Bill, is he on the list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They played. He played there at the same time as Mark McGuire for the Pilots. Wow. What a stack! Yeah, no, that's and when a, you have you have uh, one Hall of Famer and a guy. If he hadn't been such a bad actor, would be in the Hall of Fame too. Yep. No, for sure. No, that's but, true. That's anyway, true. The so, Summer Alaska yeah, League, Bill your... Stoltz is right. Whether it's Chinooks or Pilots, whatever, the Buccaneers, you name it, the Gold Panners, you never know if a star is going to be born out of uh, out of those Summer Leagues. And then you can see them 20 years later like like Bill's talking about. So, hey, Bill, thanks uh, for the call, been, man. Uh, Enjoy even the on weekend. the Chinooks, on the Chinooks before he uh, became the Chinooks, uh, Josh, McDonald, Josh Donaldson played. 2015 American League MVP. Boy, that's true. Man. Yeah, no, right. that's it. That's good to have a good weekend. You too, brother. That's Bill Stoltz, former state senator Bill Stoltz. Always a pleasure. We're going to come right back one hour ahead. So you stay with us. You hear Tom Anderson show.
This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios in South Central Alaska, USA, live and local 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on KVNT 1020 a.m. and 92.5 FM, your best source for morning news, traffic, and weather, streaming live online at TomAndersonShow.com. Phone lines are open. Dial 907-357-5868. That's 357-5868. Politics and news from a guy who's made it happen. Your morning drive just got a whole lot better. Good morning, America. Here's Tom Anderson. Hey, good morning, everybody. Tom Anderson Show, second hour of the program. Happy to have you with us. Phone lines are open, 357-5868. We do have Adam Holtz coming up next segment with Focus on the Families plugged in with a movie review. And then, as we do every Friday, we typically have Dave Steeren from the Gov's office, but Ryan Anderson, the Commissioner of Department of Transportation, will be joining us. And then next week, Jason Bruni will be joining us as well, because Dave is out of town. And so we will have those fellers joining us, and that should be of great interest to all of you, if you're into government and process and all of that fine stuff. And he, by the way, Bruni, next week is the, the DEC commissioner. So environmental conservation. So that is what's happening. And it's seven minutes after the hour. If you look at the news, I was shocked at this one. And I just texted Representative David Eastman and I asked him to get a hold of Joe Miller. I don't have Joe's cell phone anymore. I used to, but I've switched so many phones. It's been forever. Joe Miller representing David Eastman, judge ruling, I can't believe this, that David Eastman is likely ineligible for office. He would be my state rep because of the Oath Keepers membership that he signed up for decades ago. And that's going to delay election certification until the trial concludes. I mean, it's like, really? Are you kidding me? Judge Jack McKenna granted the preliminary injunction Thursday afternoon and said based on the evidence presented, Randall Kowalki would likely succeed in arguing that David Eastman is a member of the Oath Keepers, that the group is active, and that it is presently seeking to overthrow the U.S. government, which it, I'm not aware of it doing that. But McKenna said, Judge McKenna said, the court emphasizes that this analysis is based upon a limited record and after the testimony of no witnesses, and it does not represent a final decision in the case. Randall Kowalki had asked for Eastman's name to be struck off the ballot. By the way, Eastman easily is in, in the lead in the primary, so he's going to easily get reelected to office. He's a sitting incumbent. But Eastman's attorney, Joe Miller, from uh, a former U.S. Senate candidate and, of course, uh, you know, a very smart attorney and political pundit and conservative um, uh, advocate, raised concerns during oral arguments Tuesday that the, this would basically disenfranchise Wasilla voters, a majority of whom have consistently voted for Eastman. Um, you know, for years. Conversely, Savannah Fletcher, Kowalki's attorney, said keeping Eastman's name on the ballot could also disenfranchise voters if he is deemed ineligible to hold office after the election because the sitting governor would choose a replacement. I'd rather have that than Stu Graham, who, I mean, has he even done anything? I see some signs out there. He hasn't mailed anything. He hasn't reached out to any of us. He hasn't done ads. He's got money. I mean, it's like, what the hell? I hope he doesn't win. 
because I mean he's not he's not tr- connecting with the voters. You can't just put a yard sign out and say vote for me and I'm on a council and so I'm the right choice. Your ass has to get in front of people. You have to come and go door to door or contact us. And he hasn't done squat. Eastman has. I received a mailer. I've heard his radio. I mean, he, he's getting the message out. This Anchorage judge ordered that the certification of election results for our house district, my new house district, 27, in, in Meadow Lakes area in Wasilla is going to be delayed until after the December trial finishes. Well, the Division of Elections target date for certifying all elections is November 29th, three weeks after November 8th. If Eastman wins the election and is deemed eligible to hold public office, he can be seated. If he wins re-election and is deemed ineligible, the Alaska Division of Elections can exclude Eastman from the ranked choice voting tabulation process, meaning votes for him and go to the next highest choice. I just, man, I have friends, you know, Scott Clayton, he would have run for that seat if he, if he knew Eastman wasn't running, you know, but I'm sure Stephen Wright, <laughs> Stephen Wright, if you're listening, you run pretty much every election and because you're running, there's no chance Scott, who's never run, uh, probably can beat David Wilson. And at some point, Stephen, you've got to not run <laughs> because he's, I don't know how many times you're another Doyle Holmes. Hasn't Doyle run 11, 10, 11, 12 times for House? It's like, man, when you do that and there's ranked choice now, um, there's other candidates that, that have a shot that aren't going to make it. And I get frustrated with that. Everybody has a right to run, but it's like, get the, you know, get the hint. If, if you run and lose and lose and lose and lose and lose and lose, it's like, dude, people don't want you. Do something else. I mean, right? Gwalki said he was thrilled by the compromise, of course. I'm not a fan of his. And Eastman has his own issues. For a long time, I wasn't a fan of David Eastman. I thought he was too obstructionist, and he didn't work with people. And I thought some of his comments, he's just too too far right for me. But I also appreciate in the American democratic sense, he has a right to to voice his opinions. And then, then I've talked to him a couple of times and I'm like, well, he's not so bad. And, and then I actually, when he was running here, I reached out to him and said, Hey, if you need help, I don't know the Stu Graham guy. Um, you know, I know you enough. I know you're communicative with your constituents. And I said, if, if my firm can help you. And he said, you can, you actually can help me with the mailer and some radio. So full disclosure, we helped David. I, I've only met him a couple of times in person, but you know, he's smart. He's insightful. And yeah, he probably is too conservative for me. The only flaw I think he has that, that substantive relating to me and my family and our district is that he, he typically bucks the system like of majority membership. And so then he's a lawmaker of one. And that doesn't help our district because then we get disenfranchised. We didn't have that under Kevin McCabe. That was Kevin was a, a first term state rep and he has been our state representative for two years but with redistricting kevin came in the last term of the lines of all our 40 house seats meaning in all 50 states because of the census every 10 years your house district and senate district lines change kevin got in the final term of the last line maps 
So now he's bounced over to Big Lake and up to Talkeetna and Healy, and it's like, damn, he was our state representative, and he's a buddy of mine, a good friend. So now, you know, I'm not saying Eastman's a bad guy, but but this Oath Keepers, so some people rattled cages and others didn't with Oath Keepers, but, I mean, there have been members and lawmakers members of it. I mean, the notion was to keep your oath, constitutional stuff, not overthrow the government. So when Randall Kowalki says any member of the Oath Keeper is synonymous with overthrowing the government. I don't think that's true. And I'm not a defender of the Oath Keepers. I just, I don't even know really what the group does, but I don't think they're trying to overthrow the government. I could be wrong. David Eastman isn't, so that's nonsense. We're going to come right back with Adam Holt's Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Stay with us, my friends. Good morning, Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Hey, we're back, Tom Anderson Show. Good morning, every morning, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m., live and local. There's only a few choices. I'm the only one. Fagan's not even in state, so bless his soul. But we're, we're the one local news talk show between Anchorage and the Valley. Back about a year ago, John McKinnon retired, and Governor Dunleavy appointed a longtime 20-year veteran of the Department of Transportation and Public Facilities, which is really an important Department for Alaskans, one of the most important, I would say, because of its, you know, it's inextricably linked to our mobility. And Ryan Anderson, no relation, uh, lives up in Fairbanks, and he, this 20-year guy, doing a great job. I think his last uh, stint was like, I think you were the Northern Region Director, right, Ryan? But you got replaced, and now you're the commissioner. So welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Tom. Really appreciate it. And yeah, it's definitely a big responsibility. Um, but you know, I'm I'm really working hard to to do my best here. So yeah, appreciate that. Of course. Well, and you oversee. You know, if you look up your resume and what you do, things like design, construction, maintenance, operations, it's all the stuff that none of us think about until a road is closed or there's construction. I should say none. Most of us are like, yeah, there's going to be a road. I don't know who the Department of Transportation Commissioners. I didn't know there was a commissioner that runs it. I don't even know. What is it? DOT what? People say, what, what is the acronym? Public facility? What, what are they? All they care about is most of the time, and I mean this thoughtfully, but it's welcome to the earth. People just want to make sure the road is good and open and no potholes. You're the guy behind the scenes that's handling all of that state-run roads with plowing, with repairs, and it's got to be a big job. Then add to that, we have tsunamis and we have typhoons, like in western Alaska, which have been massively destructive. Have you been engaged at all with that on the west coast of Alaska, or is that out of your purview? Oh, no. uh, No, I appreciate that question. So... We just got back from a trip, uh, the governor, myself, um, General Sachs with the National Guard um, traveling throughout the communities. We started out um, just on, man, the storm was Saturday and kind of was dying off a bit on Sunday. It was still pretty rough out there Sunday. So we got out to Bethel first thing Monday morning um, and we started traveling with the governor 
to all the, the communities around. We hit, you know, Hooper Bay, Scammon Bay. We flew over Chivac. Um, we hit New Talk. And then we traveled up to Nome, and we hit all those communities up on the on Norton Sound until the weather finally shut us down. Oh, man. So really, it was it, it was three days nonstop. I, I got to tell you, Tom, I have a I had a hard time keeping up with the governor. Boy, <laughs> he has energy, and, and he was he was really on top of things. But uh, it was great to get down on the ground and, and see the the damages at, at the different communities. And speaking of transportation, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty. Some of that's probably confidential. But how you guys, like the way you book flights and such, I assume you had private transportation. And are you, you live in Fairbanks. Are you stationed in Fairbanks? So did, so did the Gov say, hey, I'm in Juneau, Rankridge. Ryan, we're going to grab you, then dart over to Bethel? Yeah. So, so in this case, and a lot of times, you know, if you're traveling throughout the state, whether you're in western Alaska or in Fairbanks or even in Juneau, you know, Anchorage is really the hub. Yep. And so we all get to Anchorage and then, and then we take off from there and, and off we go. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I figured. I just wondered. And then, and then what type of transportation, because we've been, you know, I do the morning news, so we're reporting on this and they're like, okay, the wharf is gone. The dock is gone. The road is gone. The airstrip is gone. You just said, well, exactly. We went to Bethel. No, we went to where we could go, but how did you get into some of the, some of like you mentioned new talk. I mean, did you mm-hmm. d- take a, a, a private plane, a small plane and get in there? Yeah, absolutely. So once once you're in a place like Bethel, yeah, your your transportation is pretty limited. So um, the one thing with the Department of Transportation, you know, in Alaska, which is different than a lot of states, we control and we operate and manage most of the airports. So we had good on the ground. You know, we have maintenance contractors at all these places in the rural communities, and they give us real time reports. And so with those, you know, we had a we had a it's called a Cessna caravan. It's a small airplane. It can yep. carry about eight people. And uh, we flew out to all those uh, communities in the in the Bethel region, and, and some of these runways, um, you know, New Talk, for example, it's about twenty five hundred feet, and it's narrow. Um, but you know, we we got into all of them, and and we're able to take a good on the ground look at these places. And when I look at the Department of Transportation and Public Facilities, like I say, it's a super important department and you just don't handle you just mentioned that you, you don't just handle transportation like when it comes to a road i mean you you're in charge of the airports too aren't you absolutely we have, wow if i I'll, I'll, I'll get the number right but i believe it's 237 airports throughout the state Jeez. now what well, even craig campbell's really- under you now but Craig is running, <laughs> yeah. former General Craig Campbell, running the airport in Anchorage. And then the other biggie for Southeast Alaska, it's a lifeline. You run the Alaska Marine Highway System, the ferry system. So, I mean, it's not just roads. Oh, no. Yeah, Alaska is one of the most multimodal places in the nation, right? That The way all of our systems have to interconnect and align is, is amazing to me. And, yeah, it's a big job. Uh, the Department of Transportation and Public Facilities, over 3,000 people. Oh, that's huge. Now, you know where we're at. We're, we've got a few minutes left. We're talking with Ryan Anderson. He's the commissioner of DOT. You're hearing how big it is and public facilities. By the way, that's another thing, public facilities. I could go on and on. We could spend an hour talking about, uh, you know, his organizational chart. And he's humble, but I'm, I'm bragging because I'm proud of him. That's a, that's a hard job. And he's got a good attitude about it. And you're smart. And you've been there for a long time. I'm glad that the governor picked you because sometimes – 
he pulls someone or, or a governor could pull someone, you know, I think of Amanda Price from public safety where they didn't have background in law enforcement. You do two decades plus. Now I'm in the Valley and our show, like I said, when we began with you here on this segment, we're in Matsu, we're in Anchorage, but for Matsu, let's talk local. Anything happening here that you could, you know, give us a news update for? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're, we're really focused on right now for DOT for the Matsu is safety and safety on the highways. And so for us, the Knickus Bay Road, that one's huge for us. Yep. And, and you should, you know, it's, it's, it's going. We, we had the groundbreaking and, and nice. we're in construction on the first four miles. Um, but we're going to go all the way to Settlers Bay with that one. And, and we're going to convert that whole section to a two-lane divided highway. Um, and, and along with that, we're going to be constructing a lot of back roads so that you don't have so many driveways and entrances coming onto the main road. They'll be all routed to made primary, you know, stoplight controlled intersections. So, oh, I love a lot it, of man. There. Yeah. I love that. Anybody listening out here in the Valley, isn't that great? And he's the head honcho under the gov for this stuff. So you heard it from the horse's mouth. I love it. And, and I got to ask something else. This is just kind of a fun question. So when we're driving around, how the heck do you know the difference? I mean, I can kind of figure out some of the biggies and I'm a former lawmaker, so I'm supposed to know all this. Nope, I don't. What's, what's the difference between a federal, like we don't have interstates, we have highways, but, but like, a, I assume the parks, the Glen, the sewer, those are state, but like is Muldoon, I grew up in Muldoon in East Anchorage, um, is, is, you know, I think of all the East West roads. Um, what is it when you drive in Anchorage, the Glen goes into downtown Anchorage and then there's what Debar, Northern Lights and Tudor. Those are the four that get, that takes you from the mountains to West or w- which ones are state and which are not. Cause I get confused on that. Yeah. The, the primaries you see that are that like the Muldoons and the ones that are connecting, um, the main roadways are, are DOT. Now, when you get on the on the outside roads, outside of those major arterials, then you'll get into the stuff that's either in the municipality of Anchorage, or you know, I've been really impressed talking with the Matt Subaru and and the road network there. Um, that one yeah. is the the things that are going on there are, are really good in terms of how they're maintaining those roads and how they're really okay. working to, to fund capital. Because like I live in Meadow Lake, so when you drive in Wasilla and you, you know before you get to like the turn off to Big Lake and then you know it's Houston where the fireworks are, then then uh, what Willow before right after Wasilla, but before all that is Little Meadow Lakes. That's where I live, and so I don't live off of Pittman, but the biggest three bears are one of the biggest. Healy's is the biggest now. In fact, David Weiss lives on the same lake I do the owner but but they have that Pittman three bears and Pittman so I think is Pittman state or is it borough and I don't um, know I believe well I believe Pittman state but I would have to double check on yeah that. no you don't have we to do check have I just a, I not that I care directly yeah. but it just I wonder so and so you but but I mean that that gives a big big responsibility to you doesn't it with so many state you're monitoring those and managing them boy oh absolutely and, and we have priority um, systems for winter maintenance. So this winter, when the snow starts falling, you can see if a road that you're living on, if it's a state road, if it's a priority one, two, three, or four, and that gives you a sense of how long it may take for the snow clouds to get oh, there. I didn't know so, it worked like that. Yesterday we had Mo Hughes on the the new you know c- uh, colonel for the troopers, and he was talking about working with. He didn't mention you by name, but you know Department of Transportation and all the different departments and how that that cohesion is a big deal for for patrolling for public safety and for ingress egress getting around. And so, well, Ryan, uh, these segments come quick. Thank you for your time. 
and now you jumped in for Dave Stern, but we'd love to get you back formally in the future. And I really appreciated uh, what you talked about, and I appreciate all you do for Alaska. Hey. No, thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity. You yeah, betcha. Commissioner Ryan Anderson of the Department of Transportation. I'm Tom Anderson. We'll be right back. Good morning. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Hey, we're back, Tom Anderson Show. Good morning, every morning, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m., live and local. There's only a few choices. I'm the only one. Fagan's not even in state, so bless his soul, but we're, we're the one local news talk show between Anchorage and the Valley. Back about a year ago, John McKinnon retired, and Governor Dunleavy appointed a longtime 20-year veteran of the Department of Transportation and Public Facilities, which is really an important Department for Alaskans, one of the most important, I would say, because of its, you know, it's inextricably linked to our mobility. And Ryan Anderson, no relation, uh, lives up in Fairbanks, and he, this 20-year guy, doing a great job. I think his last uh, stint was like, I think you were the Northern Region Director, right, Ryan? But you got replaced, and now you're the commissioner. So welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Tom. Really appreciate it. And yeah, it's definitely a big responsibility. Um, but you know, I'm I'm really working hard to to do my best here. So yeah, appreciate that. Of course. Well, and you oversee. You know, if you look up your resume and what you do, things like design, construction, maintenance, operations, it's all the stuff that none of us think about until a road is closed or there's construction. I should say none. Most of us are like, yeah, there's going to be a road. I don't know who the Department of Transportation Commissioners. I didn't know there was a commissioner that runs it. I don't even know. What is it? DOT what? People say, what, what is the acronym? Public facility? What, what are they? All they care about is most of the time, and I mean this thoughtfully, but it's welcome to the earth. People just want to make sure the road is good and open and no potholes. You're the guy behind the scenes that's handling all of that state-run roads with plowing, with repairs, and it's got to be a big job. Then add to that, we have tsunamis and we have typhoons, like in western Alaska, which have been massively destructive. Have you been engaged at all with that on the west coast of Alaska, or is that out of your purview? Oh, no. uh, No, I appreciate that question. So... We just got back from a trip, uh, the governor, myself, um, General Sachs with the National Guard um, traveling throughout the communities. We started out um, just on, man, the storm was Saturday and kind of was dying off a bit on Sunday. It was still pretty rough out there Sunday. So we got out to Bethel first thing Monday morning um, and we started traveling with the governor to all the, the communities around. We hit, you know, Hooper Bay, Scammon Bay. We flew over Chivac. Um, we hit New Talk. And then we traveled up to Nome, and we hit all those communities up on the on Norton Sound until the weather finally shut us down. Oh, man. So really, it was it, it was three days nonstop. I, I got to tell you, Tom, I have a I had a hard time keeping up with the governor. Boy, <laughs> he has energy, and, and he was he was really on top of things. But uh, it was great to get down on the ground and, and see the the damages at, at the different communities. 
And speaking of transportation, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty. Some of that's probably confidential, but how you guys, like the way you book flights and such, I assume you had private transportation and are you, you live in Fairbanks. Are you stationed in Fairbanks? So did, so did the govs say, Hey, I'm in Juneau, Anchorage, Ryan, we're going to grab you then dart over to Bethel. Yeah. So, so in this case, and a lot of times, you know, if you're traveling throughout the state, whether you're in Western Alaska or in Fairbanks or even in Juneau, you know, Anchorage is really the hub. Yep. And so we all get to Anchorage and then, and then we take off from there and, and off we go. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I figured. I just wondered. And then, and then what type of transportation, because we've been, you know, I do the morning news, so we're reporting on this and they're like, okay, the wharf is gone. The dock is gone. The road is gone. The air strip is gone. You just said, well, exactly. We went to Bethel. No, and we went to where we could go, but how did you get into some of the, some of like you mentioned new talk. I mean, did you mm-hmm. did, take a, a, a private plane, a small plane and get in there? Yeah, absolutely. So once once you're in a place like Bethel, yeah, your your transportation is pretty limited. So um, the one thing with the Department of Transportation, you know, in Alaska, which is different than a lot of states, we control and we operate and manage most of the airports. So we had good on the ground. You know, we have maintenance contractors at all these places in the rural communities, and they give us real time reports. And so with those, you know, we had a we had a it's called a Cessna caravan. It's a small airplane. It can yep. carry about eight people. And uh, we flew out to all those uh, communities in the in the Bethel region, and, and some of these runways, um, you know, New Talk, for example, it's about twenty five hundred feet, and it's narrow. Um, but you know, we we got into all of them, and and we're able to take a good on the ground look at these places. And when I look at the Department of Transportation and Public Facilities, like I say, it's a super important department and you just don't handle you just mentioned that you, you don't just handle transportation like when it comes to a road i mean you you're in charge of the airports too aren't you absolutely we have wow a, if I, I'll, I'll get the number right but i believe it's 237 airports throughout the state Jeez. now well, even craig campbell's really- under you now but Craig is running, <laughs> yeah. former General Craig Campbell, running the airport in Anchorage. And then the other biggie for Southeast Alaska, it's a lifeline. You run the Alaska Marine Highway System, the ferry system. So, I mean, it's not just roads. Oh, no. Yeah, Alaska is one of the most multimodal places in the nation, right? That The way all of our systems have to interconnect and align is, is amazing to me. And, yeah, it's a big job. Uh, the Department of Transportation and Public Facilities, over 3,000 people. Oh, that's huge. Now, you know where we're at. We're, we've got a few minutes left. We're talking with Ryan Anderson. He's the commissioner of DOT. You're hearing how big it is and public facilities. By the way, that's another thing, public facilities. I could go on and on. We could spend an hour talking about, uh, you know, his organizational chart. And he's humble, but I'm, I'm bragging because I'm proud of him. That's a, that's a hard job. And he's got a good attitude about it. And you're smart. And you've been there for a long time. I'm glad that the governor picked you because sometimes – he pulls someone or or a governor could pull someone, you know, I think of Amanda Price from public safety where they didn't have background in law enforcement. You do two decades plus. Now I'm in the Valley and our show, like I said, when we began with you here on this segment, we're in Matsu, we're in Anchorage, but for Matsu, let's talk local. Anything happening here that you could, you know, give us a news update for? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're, we're really focused on right now for DOT for the Matsu is safety and safety on the highways. And so for us, the Knickus Bay Road, that one's huge for us. Yep. And, and you should, you know, it's, it's, it's going. We, we had the groundbreaking and, and we're nice. in construction on the first four miles. Um, but we're going to go all the way to Settlers Bay with that one. And, and we're going to convert that whole section to a two-lane divided highway. Um, and, and along with that, 
we're going to be constructing a lot of back roads so that you don't have so many driveways and entrances coming onto the main road. They'll be all routed to made primary, you know, stoplight controlled intersections. So oh, I love a lot it, of man. I love that. Anybody listening out here in the Valley, isn't that great? And he's the head honcho under the gov for this stuff. So you heard it from the horse's mouth. I love it. And and I got to ask something else. This is just kind of a fun question. So when we're driving around, how the heck do you know the difference? I mean, I can kind of figure out some of the biggies and I'm a former lawmaker, so I'm supposed to know all this. Nope, I don't. What's, what's the difference between a federal, like we don't have interstates, we have highways. But but like a, I assume the parks, the Glen, the sewer, those are state. But like is Muldoon? I grew up in Muldoon in East Anchorage. Um, is is you know I think of all the East West roads. Um, what is it when you drive in Anchorage? The Glen goes into downtown Anchorage, and then there's what Debar, Northern Lights, and Tudor. Those are the four that get, that takes you from the mountains to west. Or which ones are state and which are not? Because I get confused on that. Yeah, the, the primaries you see that are that like the Muldoons and the ones that are connecting um, the main roadways are, are DOT. <clears throat> now, when you get on the on the outside roads, outside of those major arterials, then you'll get into the stuff that's either in the municipality of Anchorage, or you know, I've been really impressed talking with the Matt Subaru and and the road network there. Um, that one yeah. is the, the things that are going on there are, are really good in terms of how they're maintaining those roads and how they're really okay. working to, to fund capital. Cause projects. like I live in Meadow Lake. So when you drive in Wasilla and you, you know, before you get to like the turn off to big Lake and then, you know, it's Houston where the fireworks are, then, then uh, what Willow before, right after Wasilla, but before all that is little Meadow Lakes. That's where I live. And so I don't live off of Pittman, but the biggest three bears are one of the biggest Healy's the biggest now. In fact, David Weiss lives on the same Lake I, do the owner but but they have that Pittman three bears and Pittman so I think is Pittman state or is it borough and I don't um, know I believe well I believe Pittman state but I would have to double check on yeah that. no you don't have you to do check have I just a, I not that I care directly yeah. but it just I wonder so and so you but but I mean that that gives a big big responsibility to you doesn't it with so many state you're monitoring those and managing them boy oh absolutely and, and we have priority um, systems for winter maintenance. So this winter, when the snow starts falling, you can see if a road that you're living on, if it's a state road, if it's a priority one, two, three, or four, and that gives you a sense of how long it may take for the snow plows to get oh, there. I didn't so know it worked like next- that. Yesterday we had Mo Hughes on, the, the new you know uh, colonel for the troopers, and he was talking about working with, he didn't mention you by name, but you know Department of Transportation and all the different departments and how that, that cohesion is a big deal for, for patrolling for public safety and for ingress, egress, getting around. And so, well, Ryan, uh, these segments come quick. Thank you for your time. And now you jumped in for Dave Stearn, but we'd love to get you back formally in the future. And I really appreciated uh, what you talked about, and I appreciate all you do for Alaska. Hey, no, thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity. You yeah, betcha. Commissioner Ryan Anderson of the Department of Transportation. I'm Tom Anderson. We'll be right back. Good morning. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Hey, we're back 48 minutes after the hour of Tom Anderson Show. Remember, you can listen to these shows after the fact 
at some point later today, we'll put the audio, we'll park it at Buzzsprout, and that's a podcast system where you can basically upload audios from anything and then listen to them after the fact. And so TomAndersonShow.com, that's a way you can listen to us streaming during the show and after if you want to listen to KVNT. Of course, you can go to KVNT's website as well. And then we have Facebook pages, Tom Anderson Show Facebook page. Uh, appreciate you following that. And, you know, hit and miss lately, the busier we get, the less we put up. But every day we put up something or try to. And if we miss something, we uh, we make up for it with some funnies and some cartoons and things, but also breaking news. And then YouTube. You can go to Tom Anderson Show YouTube. We haven't posted anything in a bit, but we will continue to do that and try to make the videos fun. Speaking of videos, Sir Dylan has found some. Dylan, which ones do you like? What, what do you want to do? You, well, I mean, we don't have to do all Alaska's news source, but they have they did the heavy lifting, so we can pick a couple. Do you want to do the World Central Kitchen? Yeah, I'm looking at this article right now from uh, from Alaska's news source that's uh, about World Central Kitchen visiting Western Alaska and all of the natural disaster news going on. So we nice, can with that yeah, one. with all that stuff going on there, there, at least we're feeding them. So here's an update from Alaska's news source on that. Many Western Alaska families received a surprise visit this past week from a charter plane carrying food and water. Georgina Fernandez spoke to the organization about that surprise visit. Georgina? Mike, that not-for-profit organization, World Central Kitchen, delivers food all over the world where crisis has hit. This week, it surprised many Western villages and cities with supplies. World Central Kitchen volunteers landed in cities and villages like Nome, you know, Cleet, and Hooper Bay this past week. These are just some locations that were left in ruins following the aftermath caused by the remnants of Typhoon Murbach. Many still suffering with flooding, low water supply, and no electricity due to the storm. World Central Kitchen says this has impacted a lot of families. The organization has been flying out two charts a day each filled up around 1,000 pounds of food and water and fresh sandwiches ready to hand out to those in need. A lot of the feedback we've received from the communities is that they, they haven't received any other kind of, kind of help yet, so they were immediately very thankful, grateful that someone was out there helping them. The organization says they plan to continue working alongside villages and cities in the West as they work to evaluate their needs. Mike? All right, thanks, Georgina. Yeah, there you go. So good for them. Now, there are a couple other stories, and I could read them or I could play them. And I appreciate Alaska's news source. I encourage you to support them and watch their programming morning, afternoon, evening, alaskasnewsource.com. I'm not sure if I can play all these at one time or not. Probably can't, but there are two other ones. One, there is one on David East, or strike that, David Bronson, and I don't know if I want to do that one. That's the one where he picked a fourth library director. It's... I'm happy for the new library director. It's kind of like old news because he's gone through so many. But here's one that I think is important and might uh, tickle your fancy. The Matsu School Board has passed a policy that's implementing, believe it or not, a daily moment of silence in classrooms. And the reason I think it's interesting is I was telling Dylan and Sarah on the break, I said, in today's world, especially in American schools and with policies and with the woke culture, if anything... School districts are getting rid of moments of silence, you know, which is perceived kind of like a moment to pray. And I just think it's, I don't think a moment of silence is needed. We didn't have that when I was, I mean, again, we go by what we've experienced, right? I'm not saying I'm the expert and I'm not saying how I was raised is the correct way. Pick your way, 
to raise your kids. Pick your way to have classrooms. I mean, we can all engage ultimately, and then we pick school board members, and they decide. But I will tell you, a moment of silence or prayer, I don't need, and I never need it. But I do like the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, stand up, get your hat off, don't wear a hat in class at all. I, I like that decorum. But let's go. Uh, Carly Shrek reports on this from an Alaska's news source on the Matso School Board. School District School Board passed a new policy that mandates Valley Schools start the day off with a moment of silence. Carly Schreck was at the meeting and has more details. Underwood? Here. Board Member Ponder? Here. At the regular board meeting for the Matsu Borough School District, still on the minds of many was the suspension of a policy that previously allowed transgender students to use the bathrooms which correspond to their own gender identification. This district's transgender youth guidelines were only called into question because of the discrimination that has been making the news in recent years. But an action item on the agenda Wednesday night was the second reading of a new board policy that mandates a daily moment of silence in the classrooms. The proposal says principals shall require teachers to set aside at least one minute, but no more than two minutes for quiet personal reflection during the first period of school. Policy encourages uh, parent involvement uh, in their uh, their students' day and has the uh, opportunity um, for parents to discuss with their students um, something that they can reflect on uh, once uh, a day for 60 seconds. The policy was introduced by board president Ryan Ponder two board meetings ago on August 17th. We live in a hectic society of today and few persons are able to experience even a moment of quiet reflection before pledging headlong, plunging headlong into activities of daily life. And on Wednesday night, it saw majority support from the board. Don't know what a kiddo is coming from in their home life. If nothing else, it is improving their health and scientifically. But District 6 member Dwight Probasco voted against the policy, saying he believes it cheapens that for which moments of silence are typically reserved. But usually those are for special events like Veterans Day, Memorial Days, or the death of an individual. He was the sole member to vote no on the item. The policy passed 5-1, to one, with implementation expected to take place in schools at the start of the second quarter of this school year. Carly Shrek. Yeah, what do you think about that, everybody? Do you think that that is a, a good policy or not? I, I don't think it's... <sighs> I don't know. I don't I don't think it's necessary, but I three five seven five eight six eight. We have a few minutes left. Anybody want to jump in? We can get one call in. Does anybody think that you need a moment of silence before you start school? I mean, will that calm kids down? What will that do? I don't know. Dylan, Sarah, do you guys have a thought since if we don't get a call, just, I mean, you're what, in your 20s? Do you think that, and I know you're faith-based, but do you think there's a need for that? I'm talking in a public school mm -hmm. to say, hey, everybody, we got two minutes of just sit there silence. I think the, well, there's a couple points that got brought up in that video that are, that are kind of interesting. The, um, you know, you don't know what a kid's, where a kid's coming from. That, I, I see value in that. Um, I don't know that I would agree that we need it consistently and i kind of i kind of also identify with the you know you, those things are saved for you know uh deaths or or um memorial day or veterans day or things like that i i i 
the, but I you like the, the spirit of it. I, Your I point think is the, the spirit of it is cool, which is they're trying to say you can contemplate. In, in, in the best of worlds, kids would say, thank you. I'm going to meditate and think. But, I mean, you also agree that most kids don't do that well, in this it, technological age. Right. It's a very, I think it's a very mature thing. Um, and I think if if the education around it is, hey, you know, let's take a moment to to sit down and, and think of, you know, what are you going? Well, what day. are you going through? What have you been yep. going through? You know, let's let's think about that. I, but even then, like, what are you? How are you helping the kid in in that? And I think that kind of takes away from the 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 pressing matter of like, how are we teaching these kids? If we're going to do this, let's teach these kids. Um, how to deal with whatever they're dealing with, how to deal with, you know, what's going on at home, what's going on around them. Um, Versus just a moment of silence. Yeah, let's just be quiet for a minute. Yep. No, good. well, good point. We're about out of time here, but that's a good point. And, and from a younger person who just got out of school 10 years ago from high school. And so, Ugh. no, that's a, it's, it's an engaging policy that we as Alaskans and U.S. citizens and as parents and grandparents and as young people that may have kids one of these days or have kids. And maybe you're listening and you're in your 30s or your 40s and kind of that creeping up into middle age where you say, is this necessary? And Dylan brings up a great point. The, the, the underlying foundation of all of this is we want kids to be awake, well-rested, fed, healthy, cognizant, and engaged, and then not be hurt, harmed, depressed. And so how do you resolve that? Probably not with a moment of silence. Maybe it's a good first start. We will see. We'll see how it unfolds in the Matsu School District. Folks, thank you, Dylan, Sarah. Thank you. You guys have been awesome this week. They were just trained Monday, Tuesday, and they kicked butt all week. (laughs) And I appreciate it. Thank you to you both. High five. For all of the rest of you, enjoy your weekend. We'll be back Monday morning. Please drive safe. Say a prayer for Western Alaska, and God bless. You can see the morning sun if you try. And I know things will be better. Oh, yes, they will. Pachico.